Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roar Lions Radio. This is your host tonight, Nick Polak, one of the senior editors for Roar Lions Roar. I will not be joined tonight by Bill DeFilippo because he is busy um, trying to think of ways to convince me to give him a cut of my fortune when I win Mega Millions tonight. Instead, I am joined by a very special guest who I think we can now officially classify as a recurring guest at this point, uh, Mr. Ty Hildenbrandt of The Solid Verbal. Ty, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Nick. Thank you for the invite back. A pleasure as always. Of course. We love having you. And I was thinking, now that you've kind of entered into this recurring guest status, I was wondering, would you consider yourself more of a uh, Moe Schrute from The Office or more of an Aaron Pierce from 24? Ooh, got to go Aaron Pierce 24. Because, see, the thing is, Aaron Pierce had that shroud of mystery around his character. Mm. True. And because I so often trumpet the mysterious day job on my podcast, I think he and I have that in common. Also, I was a much bigger fan of 24 and I celebrate Aaron Pierce's entire catalog. So I got to go, Mr. Pierce, Agent Pierce. I agree. hundred percent. He's very, a very underrated TV character on a show that uh, people, I think people forget how good 24 used to be. You know, here's here's a, a weird tidbit for you. Up mm-hmm. until recently, when 24, I think, finally went off the air, I was doing a separate 24 podcast with two other friends. I was that into it. So you had you had that, the so on your podcast resume, then you have that, the Yankees podcast and Solid Verbal. It's an eclectic mix, but wow. yes. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did have a brief foray in uh, the wonderful world of 24 podcasting. And it was glorious. Interesting. What was that called? I feel like I might have to look that up now. The Bauer Hour. Oh, Bauer wow. Hour. Yeah, okay. it's still out there. You can still go and find it. I did it with two friends and uh, I was a huge 24 super fan. And then towards the end, you know, it started getting weird where they just kept coming up with weird concepts that they could, I don't know, get a get a contract to, to do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you could argue our podcast was better than the show. <laughs> once they got rid of ctu it really it just it just lost it lost all meaning yeah well you know they had a try and i was convinced for a while that Kiefer sutherland had pictures on somebody at fox that they could <laughs> doing this but yeah it, it definitely ran out of steam uh probably about 10 years ago and then they kept doing it for like maybe four or five extra seasons yeah yeah well, speaking of Aaron Pierce and his years of service as arguably our country's finest, finest fictional security officer, uh, let's talk about how Penn State protected that lead against Indiana as if their lives yeah. depended on it. Did I pre-write that little transition? Absolutely, I did, that's, but I'm okay with it. That's because you're a pro's pro. <laughs> Uh, the Nittany Lions escaped with a 33-28 win over the Hoosiers in a game that was really not as close as the score sounded and at the same time much closer than the score sounds uh, it was really weird uh, Penn State could have easily closed this game out or perhaps even scored again um, if not for some pretty questionable late game play calling yes I'm looking at you 29 second three passing play drive with 430 left in the game we're not going to go too deeply into this game since we're also going to preview Iowa tonight um, but for you Ty what were your one or two biggest takeaways from this game Well, the play calling remains a mystery, and I'd love to say that this was the first instance of questionable play calling down the stretch, but you and I both know that's not true. Not this year, not in the entire James Franklin tenure. This is very much a recurring theme, so that in and of itself is concerning. I don't know if we'll ever fully get rid of that, but um, 
there's always hope. So that that's the first thing. Um, I'm still bothered, as I know you are, by wide receivers dropping passes. And I know it's not a veteran wide receiving core the way it was in previous years for Trace McSorley. But we're past the halfway point in the season now, and it still seems like this is a problem. So that that to me sticks out as a bit of an issue and something that I wish they could resolve, if only for Trace's well-being in his senior season. Um, too many mistakes in the special teams game. Had some nice kick returns, but as I counted them up, it was like, what, four? Four muff punts, I think, something like yeah, that. They had to block the extra four. point. Yeah. Uh, that that was bothersome as well. And I, I guess just on the whole, um, this feeling like Penn State doesn't know how to close out a game. It's it it's again a recurring theme along with the play calling where they find themselves in these games in in the, the, the latter part of the game where it just feels like it should be easier to close out a win, and yet they seemingly find a way to make it more difficult. So I don't want to be all doom and gloom here. Penn State's in a very good situation. And ultimately, I think the season's going to shake out the way that uh, a lot of us expected from the very beginning. But it is frustrating to see these things happen time and time again and feel like they're correctable and just seem to pop up here and there. Yeah, I think, like you said, the the most frustrating part of these last three games has been the fact that it's been the same issues over and over and over again. And a lot of those, a lot of those issues, especially some of the more, uh, some of the penalties and some of just the maybe missed routes and things like that can be attributed to lack of experience a little bit and youth. Um, but then, I mean, some of the stuff, some of the stuff you just don't really understand, like the drops. I, I have had the misfortune of deciding to track all of Trace McSorley's throws this season. Um, so I have a very good sense of what has gone wrong on each particular incompletion. And they have 25 dropped passes this year. Or sorry, yeah. 24, 24, which is just an astronomical number for a team with as much receiving talent as Penn State has it's it's truly shocking to see really yeah and it's frustrating you know now we knew going into the year that there was going to be a lack of real veteran leadership at the wide receiver position so it's not uncommon that you would find receivers dropping passes missing routes having trouble getting on the same page as their quarterback but it does seem like 24 drops is excessive and, um, you know, I, I, I guess I worry a little bit now as we head into a rough stretch of games for Penn State with Iowa and Michigan and Wisconsin, yep. um, three in a row there that are, look, they're all losable games. I worry that now with maybe Trace being unable to rely on his wide receiving core and with seemingly the propensity to run him more, he's run 57 times now in the last three games. I worry that it's all going to be on his shoulders and that they're eventually going to get him killed out there because he's not a big guy. Uh, but again, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. Penn State's got a winnable game here, a winnable game against Michigan, a winnable game against Wisconsin. If they can get their ducks in a row here and and all kind of paddle the same direction, uh, they stand as good a chance as any team in the country of going 3-0 and in that, in that stretch. Yeah, and to pull out a silver lining of sorts from the kind of the receiver chaos that's been going on has been the emergence of KJ Hamler and Pat Fryermuth on the uh, offensive front. 
KJ Hamler has obviously been a revelation this year. He's been really the first name after Trace McSorley that people have been mentioning when they talk about Penn State. Uh, he had that big highlight, 93-yard touchdown catch against Ohio State. And then a guy like Pat Fryermuth, somebody you wouldn't really notice if you're just watching Penn State highlights, but if you watch every single game, you can see that he, true freshman, by the way, you can see that he is somebody who um, really is playing well above his experience level. He's become one of the more trusted targets. He's shown his skill as a blocker and a receiver. So those two really have been a revelation for the passing game. And if it's a shame that the other receivers had to falter for them to really start to shine, but it, Penn State is better off having those two um, kind of have their breakouts now when they're redshirt freshmen and true freshmen, respectively. For sure. And going back to KJ Hamler again, he's going to have more time in this system, maybe not with Trace McSorley, but it's encouraging to see him be so explosive. I think I saw something like 18, it's a shade over 18 yards per catch for Hamler. He's a big play guy. He's been doing it all year and he's leading the team in touchdowns. He's obviously established himself as a playmaker. So moving forward, he's a good guy to have in the quiver for 2019 and beyond. But at least in the short term here, he needs a little bit of help. He needs some receivers around him to take some of the focus off of him and, uh, you know, to make the passing game a little bit better. So it's not all on, it's not all on Hamler for sure. He's, he's doing his part. It's just, um, he, he needs a core around him to help make that passing game better. Yeah, and I think the one frustrating thing about Hamler, and it has nothing to do with him, it's it's that they haven't done more to get him the ball in space. They ran the one jet sweep against Pitt, which worked perfectly, and they've thrown in a couple uh, short crosses and slant routes. But other than that, they, there hasn't really been too much effort put in to find creative ways to get him the ball, um, which... I don't know. It, they This offense should have the ability to do that. I know the blocking by the receivers hasn't been as good, but last year, Deshaun Hamilton was yeah. killer on wide receiver screens, and it's hard to see Hamler not succeeding in a similar position like that. I know he primarily plays out of the slot, and when Hamilton would get those screens, he would typically be outside, I think. But it's, it is a little strange to not see them do more in that regard. But somebody that they did work hard this past week to get um, in those positions was Miles Sanders, who sure. to this point in the season had been pretty much non-existent in the passing game. Um, and then against Indiana, had six catches on seven targets, 54 yards through the air, 15 rushes, 72 yards on the ground, and a touchdown. And there was clearly an effort to get him involved in the passing game, and it worked pretty well. Miles Sanders has been a revelation. Miles Sanders has been like 80% of Saquon Barkley from oh, yeah. a year ago. He may not have all the flash of Barkley, but he's been very productive in this offense. And I think he among, yeah, look, there've been plenty of bright spots out there in 2018 for, for Penn state. You know, this is a guy who six and a half, a carry something like that on the ground, eight touchdowns. He's been very good across the board. One of, one of the most reliable weapons that they have on offense outside of trace, um, maybe even more so than trace which we can get into a little bit, but uh, I'm really encouraged to see that they had this guy that they could fall back on in the running game. And, uh, you know, hopefully this is something that they can continue to do now moving forward. He's got another year. I don't suspect he'll be coming out early. So to know that you've got him around for next season, that's, um, that's a good starting point. 
Yeah, Sanders at the on the year is at 775 rushing yards for exactly 6.5 yards carry. Well done, Ty. Yeah. Thank, um, you. Thank you. Yeah, he's he's been excellent for Penn State. He, like you said, he's really. I think he's certainly exceeded expectations, and I think he's not only in a just pure rushing sense, but I think he's been a little more Barkley-ish than people really anticipated. Yeah. Um, what we had seen from him previous to this year was just a lot of kind of downhill running. Yeah, he's a quick dude, and he'll take advantage when he has space, but kind of his calling card was more using his power, using his legs to kind of always get those extra yards, and he's done that. He has absolutely done that. He's done a great job of going through the tackles when that lane is there. But he also has shown some flashes that, like you said, are Saquon-ish, especially that 48-yard touchdown run against Michigan State was could have been straight out of Saquon's playbook. Oh, my God, yeah. Let me So let me go back here for a second. We've been talking about the passing game and talking a little bit now about Miles Sanders. This all goes to a place where we end up talking about Trace McSorley and mm-hmm. the kind of season he's been having. Uh, I, I think underwhelming to some degree as a passer, though I don't think it's entirely his fault. Um, but just on the whole, Ricky Ronnie is a first-year offensive coordinator. Yep. I feel like I've heard both sides of the argument. I feel like I've heard a number of fans out there, Penn State and otherwise, saying that the play calling is too predictable, he's not doing a good job. And then I've heard plenty of others who have said, well, he's a first-year guy. Maybe it's not perfect, but by and large, it's been a pretty good effort from him in year one. Where do you come down on that argument? Has Ricky Ronnie been a successful offensive coordinator thus far? I think I I land somewhat in the middle on this because I, I, I do think that the wide receiver issues have made a pretty big impact because a lot of these drops have come on third downs and They've dropped touchdowns and things that would generally make McSorley's line look a lot better, and we can kind of get into those numbers in a second there. Um, But I do think, especially in the recent weeks, I do think the play calling has become a little bit vanilla outside of these these new Sanders wrinkles in the passing game this past week, which really, they're not really wrinkles. It's more of something they probably should have been doing in the first place. But I'm hesitant to say... I, I'm I'm never going to call an offense coordinator a failure after a year unless no. it is a true spectacular failure because he's still I mean it, he's still essentially trying to run Joe Moorhead's offense which I mean he should because it was very successful and he still has the quarterback I think we'll learn a lot more about him next year when he is working with either Tommy Stevens or Sean Clifford at quarterback. Um, They'll have a little more experience in the receiving core. The offensive line should be the same, assuming everybody comes back. As of right now, I'm, I, I maybe one of them leaves, but I'm going to go ahead and assume most of them will be back. So, I don't know. I, I kind of like you. I've been hearing both sides of the argument. We've been hearing both sides of the argument within our staff at Roar Lions Roar. I, I know some people feel really strongly that he has been letting the team down, and I know some people feel like it's maybe more on the players than others are willing to admit. So I I think overall he's been okay. I think no. I don't think he's as bad a coordinator as people think after these first three games. And I don't think he's as good coordinator necessarily as people may have thought after the first four games. So it's, it's an interesting split. I, I think it's still too early to kind of have a real definitive opinion though. Yeah. I mean, statistically speaking, in terms of efficiency, which amounts to are you getting bang for your buck on any given play? Statistically speaking, 
as we just talked about with Miles Sanders, Penn State's way more efficient as a rushing team than they are as a passing team. If you look at the yeah. splits between rushing and passing, and I'm kind of doing this off the top of my head, but uh, it's a pretty drastic difference between running and passing by like an order of uh, a multiplier of 10. It's like 7th versus 70th. Yep. So, and some of that could be because of the drops. I know if you add the drops back in, and assume that they're all catches. Trace McSorley's completion percentage would go up to something like 65% up from 53, 54, I want to say. So, you know, it it's not all on him. It's certainly not all on the play calling. But um, even if you factor in all going well in this passing scheme, they've been way better on the ground than they have been through the air. So, again, I think you give it another year. I think you see how it develops next year with a new quarterback. Either way, it's going to be someone who's been in the system and has played with a lot of these teammates already, which is always helpful. Um, but I, I think it's inconclusive, right? We're a little bit over halfway through the season. I will say we're going to find out a lot more over the next three games because three really good defenses um, in the form of Iowa, Michigan, and Wisconsin. This this is going to tell us a lot about Ricky Ronnie. Um and, you know, we'll have a lot more information moving forward after this little stretch. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just to clarify something you said with the uh, Trace McSorley, the completion percentage with the drops. So for the season, I like I said, I've been tracking, yeah, tracking right. his numbers. Uh, his actual completion percentage right now is at 53.7%. Okay. I yeah. have also been tracking his adjusted completion percentage. So for me... Uh, what that amounts to is his completions with the drops added back in divided okay. by his total attempts. And then you take out spikes, take out throwaways, take out batted balls. So and, it would be, it would probably be even higher than, yeah. what did I say? 65. Yeah. His adjusted is at 72.4%. 72. Wow. So 18.7 difference between his actual and his adjusted, which is pretty yeah. unbelievable. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it it certainly is. It's it's disheartening to watch for Trace because it's his last year and there was so much promise going into this year for what he could do. And I think if you're just looking at the numbers, you might think he is having a down season and it's not as good as it was last year for sure. But he's been a lot better than what the outsider may think, which is sad for him. But agreed. Nothing we can do about that. And while we're on that subject. May we all take a brief moment in remembrance of Trace McSorley's passing touchdown streak, which has now faded into oblivion after 34 wonderful, wonderful games. Thank you, Trace. It was quite a ride. Um, let's see. I don't know. I there's. I, I I don't. I hesitate to take anything else away from this Indiana game just for the sheer fact that it doesn't matter if Penn State was undefeated. This is an Indiana game, and this game is always weird. It's it's the kind of game that people are going to point to and say, here are all these issues we saw against Michigan State and Ohio State coming back. Clearly they're clearly they're still around. And while that may be true, it's Indiana week, and it's hard to take too many definitive things away from Indiana week. Well, so here's what I'd say, and I've I've been saying this on our show all year. Penn State is good enough and bad enough simultaneously to be within seven points of any good team in the country, any good team in the yeah. country. If you look at 
how it all shakes out now. I mean, Indiana was, I would say, the best worst team that they've played so far, right? Yeah. So I'm fair. I'm kind of rolling off Illinois and Kent and and Pitt. I'm rolling off those okay. teams, but of the other four games, I guess on the schedule. Indiana was sort of the worst one. And what did we see? Well, they won by five. Kind of hung on at the end there. And like you said, maybe wasn't quite as close as the score would indicate. But yet, like, there were aspects of it that were. Penn State falls into that category for me. Now, that's frustrating to watch as a fan. A, because it keeps you on the edge of your seat pretty much every game. Any team that you know you should beat, it seems like that game's always closer or too close for comfort. Yep. Um, but I think from a, a higher level perspective... It just it, there's some lack of killer instinct, and I, I've compared Penn State to a poor man's Washington on our podcast because Washington's in the same boat, maybe to a lesser degree. But again, they play down to the competition, and no one can quite explain why because they've got the horses to play a lot better. They just don't. So Penn State falls into that category. I don't know if you really take anything away from this one game in particular, but it has been a trend that we've seen so far this year in that they they play a team in a Michigan state that they should, I think win. Uh, they should win that game. They should beat them. Um, you know, going away, they lose by four Appalachian state, pretty good team, pretty good team as, as it goes right They're in the top 25 now. Yeah, and very good in terms of efficiency metrics. I mean, they're up, I think at number 12, they're a pretty good team. Penn state should have clobbered app state. If you watch that game, Penn state was good enough to clobber app state Played great defense for three quarters, ended up winning that game by seven. I could go down the list here. The Ohio State game. We won't talk about the Ohio State game. Penn State <laughs> should have won that Ohio State game. They didn't win the Ohio State game. So I don't know what it is about the makeup of this team or the way that they're calling plays. Or I, It's a million things. It's not any one particular uh, factor. But my takeaway is that the trend continued in that Penn State's good enough to beat these teams by more. And for some reason, they don't. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think for me the thing the reason why that is is something that Bill has been saying actually all year long is that without Trace McSorley, this is probably an eight and four team at best. It's a very inexperienced, it's a very young team that just happens to have one of the best quarterbacks in the country there to keep them afloat. Sure. And, and by when, the way, oh, yeah. by the way, that's the reason that you see things like this. The yep. reason that you see trends like this is because you do have an inexperienced team. It's one of many reasons, but I think, I believe, that's probably the primary reason why. And typically, when you see a team like this, the next year, it does tend to work in their favor because they've been in some of these late-game situations and it's not foreign to them anymore. So if anything, it could be a harbinger of of good things to come. And next year will be very interesting, but we we will absolutely have to have you back before the season next year to talk about that. Because instead of looking ahead at that, we need to look ahead at Iowa this week. Uh, Penn Ah. State currently sitting at number 17, going to be hosting number 18, Iowa. The line opened at Penn State minus four and a half. I honestly have not checked. I don't know if it's moved since then. Um, But this is going to be a really interesting and telling game for both teams. Iowa's defense has been pretty outstanding all year. They're currently the number nine defense in S&P. But they haven't actually really played anyone all that great offensively, at least not lately. Um, but the one thing that they are just incredible with is not allowing big plays, which right. typically you think would be a problem for Penn State. But that hasn't really been their identity 
much this year. Miles Sanders has broken some big plays, and they have had big plays for sure. But, I mean, I, I guess to be fair, I don't really know what Penn State's real identity is right now on offense because they have been not doing a whole lot um, lately successful on either of the in either efficiency or explosiveness. But this is going to be a really interesting game. Um, just Iowa's off Iowa's defense against Penn State Penn State's offense alone is going to be really exciting to watch. Yeah, I look. I was a better version of Michigan State. That's what this amounts to. They're a better version of Michigan State, and Penn State lost to Michigan State at home in a similar situation. Penn State's good enough to win this game, just as they have been all season long. Um, but I was on a bit of a roll now, and it's it's ever since Iowa went on a bye week, they've kind of come out guns a blazing. To your point, the teams that they've played have certainly not been Penn State, but for Iowa to put up 40 points on back-to-back weeks and then shut out Maryland, who I still think is a half-decent enough team, that that's significant. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows? I mean, we're it, a lot can still go wrong, but <laughs> um, I think that's a pretty impressive three-game stretch for Iowa, but it's going to get tougher for them now. Um, the line, I saw it at five and a half. Okay. Which, for those of us who are old enough to remember the old 6-4 victory back in 2004, <laughs> five and a half is like free money. So I, <laughs> if I were betting, realistically, I would never in a million years want to lay five and a half points here in a Penn State-Iowa game because it just feels like, again, to the earlier conversation, uh, this is like a game that could be three points one way, three points another way. Uh, that that feels like too many. So I think it'll be close. I think it'll be defensive minded. Uh, Iowa's defense is really good, but I have questions about their offense against a better defense like Penn State. Um, is Nate Stanley going to continue his torrid stretch that he's got going now um, against a, a defense at Penn State that sure has had its moments and from time to time can give up something in the passing game? But um, I, I'm unconvinced at this point that Iowa can keep that train rolling against a, a better team like Penn State. So, yeah, interesting game to say the least. Um, I think Penn State wins. I think they win close, like 20 to 17, somewhere in that range. Um, and I think it's because Iowa ultimately can't run the football. I think Penn State will be able to make them one dimensional and that'll give them enough cover to win this football game. But uh, 0% chance of me laying points here. <laughs> yeah, per the S&P Plus metrics, Iowa is truly, truly one of the very not good offenses in the country, but they are one of the absolute worst rushing teams in the entire yeah, country. They're bad. Which is weird, because normally you think of Iowa as having that awesome defense and being able to run the ball, you know, being Wisconsin light in a way. Um so it, it's a little jarring to see them be such a terrible rushing team. But then again, Michigan State and Indiana were also graded as terrible rushing teams, and both were able to find success against Penn State. I kind My kind of feeling on this is that's, that might be where this game comes down to, because I, I think Penn State will be able to score. I don't think they're going to go out and drop 35 on Iowa, but I think they'll be able to get into the 20s. And for me, it's just whether or not Iowa is able to match them. This strikes me as the kind of game where one team either wins by three or by 30. And there's sure. not really an in-between. There's not a 10-point margin of victory here. Someone wins close or someone wins by a lot. Because you could look at the I, we look at the same numbers, right? You could look at the numbers. You could very easily paint a picture 
where somebody kicks a game-winning field goal and wins by one. Or you could look at some of the numbers like, okay, Iowa might not be able to run here. And yeah, they're great at preventing off big plays, but if Penn State gets a few things going in the special teams game, if KJ Hamler breaks one in, in on a punt or a kick return um, and gives Penn State a little bit of separation, could that break the dam and you know give Penn State cover to win this one by 28? So I I think it goes one of two directions, but you know having seen six four in person, I I tend to err on the side of 20 to 17 and Iowa covering the spread. I would like to note that I am not the one who brought up 6-4, so all of you listening who have been <laughs> triggered, please direct your anchor towards Ty, not I me. am triggered by that. <laughs> Are people mad when you bring it up? Oh, we don't even... I mean, so I, I personally am not a fan who remembers that. I didn't become a Penn State fan until 2010 when I started going to school there. Um, but of the people on our staff and the people I talked to that were uh, fans for that, they don't even let you mention it. No, well, it's uh, to quote the wise Papa Roach, the scars remind us that the past is real. And <laughs> six to four left a pretty damn big scar, at least on one college football fan. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully this game does not end six to four. I don't even want to think about how many drops would have to happen for that to be the final score. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, this, I, this game is pretty straightforward for me. It's, is Penn State able to do what they need to do on offense? And I think that kind of decides the game because, for yeah, like we said, as well as Indiana or Iowa has done recently, uh, they have not faced a defense as good as Penn State's lately, even if Penn State's has had lapses. Um, right. I'm thinking that Penn State wins this game something like 28, 13, or 14. I do think they're able to win this game fairly comfortably. Um, it could be, it could be one of, I, I, yeah, I guess so. I guess I disagree with you about the 10 point margin thing, but, sure. um, well, look, if, if Penn state can run the ball effectively, yeah, I think that gives them clearance to win this game pretty comfortably. Um, but they gotta, they gotta find a way around that Iowa front. Cause the Iowa front's been pretty good all year long. So if they can find a way to run the ball, if they can do, I don't care if they go zone read the entire game, but they need to have some kind of strategy to get a ground game going against Iowa. And then from there, build out something of a passing attack, at least to keep Iowa honest. I think that would be all it would take. I don't know if, like you said, I, I think this is a pretty straightforward uh, plan of attack here. I think Penn State's got better players on the whole, and they should be able to win this game. It's just that we've seen enough this season of them not doing that that's the cause for concern. Yeah, I think this is going to be, to your point, I think this is going to be a really good test for the offensive line because they had a really great start to the season and were just opening holes left and right for both Sanders and McSorley. And then in the Ohio State, Michigan State, and Indiana games, that that hasn't really been the case. Per the numbers, they still, I mean, and that's surely inflated by those first four games, but they still have grayed out as one of the better run blocking units. So it would be nice, especially going into this stretch where they're going to see some really great defensive lines. It would be nice to see them start to get back to that and open up holes for Sanders because he doesn't need much. He just needs a little bit because he's always going to fall forward. And that would be huge yep. for Penn state in this game and in the coming games. Agreed. No, absolutely agreed. And I think that does it for Iowa, which, you know, you know what time it is, Ty. 
Oh boy. The okay. real reason that Ty yeah. comes on to Roar Lions Radio is to play everybody's favorite podcast game show. Real pen live comment or not. As this always. Is, this is the best <laughs> podcast game show that I know of. Now, I am biased because I listen to a lot of college football shows and just sports shows in general. But yeah, of the ones I've heard, this is this is probably the best. The other thing I'll say, and then I'll let you get to it. Uh-huh. I I know just from doing my own show that it's stuff like this that usually makes you excited to do the podcast. <laughs> we all love college football, and in this case, you 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 run a website for Penn State. Clearly, you care about the Nittany Lions, but it's little things like this that make us um, want to do the shows or our respective shows week in and week out. So. I'm excited to be part of it, though I do hope I do better than I did last time. So I was, <laughs> frankly, a little disappointed in myself last time. Well, we'll see. I think this is a pretty, a pretty good round of, pretty good round of questions I've got here. It's a good mix of uh, Ohio State aftermath, Michigan State aftermath, and Indiana aftermath. So okay. should good. be good. Should be a good challenge. Uh, real quick for those of you that don't know what we're talking about. Uh, this is the Real Pen Live comment or not game. There is a Twitter account at uh, Real Pen Live that you absolutely should follow. Um, and what they do, I will not disclose the name of the person who does this because he um, needs to remain needs to remain anonymous for his own safety. Um, but what he does is he goes on Pen Live and he just grabs any great comments that he can find, typically on Penn State football articles, sometimes on others, um, and he posts them straight to Twitter without any context. And they are absolutely hysterical. Um, and you should absolutely follow the account and read along. And I do, I do have to request um, now that you and Dan have started these Homer, these uh, Homer podcast episodes. If yeah. you do a Penn State one, please let me come on just to play around to this game with you and Dan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll see. We'll see. We got it. We we're, we're taking votes on which teams come after Notre Dame and Oregon, or Oregon and Notre Dame in that order. So hopefully, before <laughs> long, we could do a Penn State one. Uh, should be fun. All right. Are you ready, Ty? I'm ready. Let's All go. right. Question number one, or comment number one. The land grant trophy is so ugly, the loser of the game should have to keep it. Land grant trophy, so ugly, the loser should have to keep it. Um, I'm going to say that's true. That's correct. That is a real yeah. comment. And it, it hurts my heart that somebody would actually say that and think. Imagine, imagine logging onto your computer. <laughs> to re- just imagine for a second. <laughs> logging onto your computer to read about, I'm guessing, your favorite team winning a rivalry game. And that's what you come up with. <laughs> that's the best you can do. Uh, it's... Uh... <laughs> God, I love that website so much. I don't know if you got a chance to see it actually. Um, one of our one of our writers actually before the Michigan State game used I, I think somewhere around maybe three dollars to actually create his own version of the Land Grant Trophy. It's okay. pretty it's pretty incredible. You should check it out. So when I was in school at Penn State, I know that the Land Grant Trophy is a, a thing and that this is a rivalry and all that, but mm-hmm. it never quite had the same feel as Penn State's quote-unquote rivalries with other teams maybe it's because michigan state wasn't as high profile as some of the other schools that penn state had uh, played in the past but we used to joke around that it was more of a rivalry on the blood drive front Mm, that they were trying to stir up 
stir up interest in a blood drive and that it wasn't really a real football rivalry. Obviously, I know that's not true, but I'm wondering if I'm the only one who feels that way, because every time this is this is pumped up as a rivalry, it does feel a little bit weird to me. It's it definitely it doesn't feel like a rivalry. Well, it, it has started to feel like more of a rivalry ever since D'Antonio had Jack Allen running that touchdown. I will say. Oh, uh, OK. I well, think, yeah, I, get, I think yeah, I mean, that added a little bit. It's a terrible take by me. I'm not I'm not like going to beat the drum of this, but oh, I'm just saying when I was in school at Penn State, that this seemed to be the sentiment among many of my friends like, ah, well, it's not that big of a rivalry. It's not Ohio State. You know, yeah. it's a Notre Dame. It's not Pitt. Yeah, it's just Michigan State. Yeah, I yeah, I don't think it holds that much significance. But now the the kind of re rehashed interest of the trophy, I think, makes it just makes it all the more exciting. Fair. Fair enough. All right. Comment number two. And I will note um, after I so one thing I've started incorporating into this game is that even for fake comments, I have purposely started misspelling things to try to force myself <laughs> to say things different ways. So after I read the comment and you answer, I will disclose any misspellings or things like that as well. OK, this is a PFT commenter. <laughs> version. All right. Good. Comment Good. number two. Franklin is at fault. A coach like Saban would have vetoed a boneheaded call simply because it was wrong and simply since the head coach is totally accountable. Nuff said. I will say this is the aftermath of the Ohio State game. The Ohio State game. Yeah. I feel like bonehead. Bonehead's like a key word that you hear a lot in PA. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say true. Is it true? It is. That is true. Yes. <laughs> and it is important to note that in this comment, Sabin is spelled S-A-B-I-N. <laughs> so I, yeah. I bonehead I, bonehead <laughs> to me is the giveaway because yeah. I could see someone again writing that a, a, a fellow Pennsylvanian writing that. There are definitely there are definitely linguistic giveaways in these comments for sure. Okay, so I'm two for two. Two for two. Okay, number three. Mark D'Antoni is an amazing coach. Wish Fraudlin could develop the talent the way he can. Fraudlin? Okay, this can't be true, and here's why. This can't be a real one, and here's why. Because I'd be willing to venture a guess that the people writing on penlive.com have no idea that there is a Mark D'Antoni that's a basketball course. <laughs> oh, you're right. This is a fake comment. Yes. <laughs> that's that's I you know, I hadn't really th- I hadn't really thought about this from that angle when I wrote it. The, I, the my first thought was thinking about how many people make that mistake. But you're right. That's that's probably a good point. There there is no chance that people are going to know that Mark D'Antoni was a <laughs> prominent basketball coach and is what he coaches what houston now i think i believe so i'm not not the biggest nba fan in the world but no i think the subset of pen live readers (laughs) who know that is very very small (laughs) oh all right well done three for three so far you're working you're working on a career best here yeah yeah okay comment number four if joe had a 12 point lead with six minutes to go I could go mow the yard. This staff is a clown car. What a tragedy for these kids. 
<sighs> Clown car, huh? Mm-hmm. Read that one again. If Joe had a 12-point lead with six minutes to go, I could go mow the yard. This entire staff is a clown car. What a tragedy for these kids. Hmm. Even if it's fake, it seems very true. I'm going to go true. That I could totally see that one being real. You're right. It is real. Is it? Yeah. Oh. There have been... Uh, <laughs> I think that I've actually favorited that one. I, I bookmarked that one because that's one... I, didn't, I don't even really care if anyone guesses that one correctly because that one has to be read on air. Again, imagine writing the words clown car <laughs> on a comment thread <laughs> anonymously. Um. I just I like the added the added sense at the end. What a tragedy for these kids. What a tragedy, yeah. <laughs> this is life and death, right? <laughs> oh god. Okay, so how many are we doing? I'm four. Uh, there's four. six Let's total. Six total. Six total. So two more. <laughs> okay. You're very close to the elusive perfect score. Has anyone ever gotten perfect? Uh, I think I think one of our writers did once. But that is that has the caveat of that that was a kind of a forced round that okay. really shouldn't have been done that week because most of the comments were fake because there wasn't really anything good. Um, okay, so that, right. that's a perfect score with an asterisk. I'm um, getting I'm getting nervous now <laughs> knowing this, but okay. All right, number five. Number five. Trace has regressed. The Clifford kid should be starting. He knows how to stay in the pocket. Oh. Uh... I mean, he's Clifford's thrown what five balls all year. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't thrown any completion um, yet, though. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say fake. Correct. That is fake. Ah. Well done. Here's here's the thing. Okay, here's the thing about the Penn State fan base. Mm -hmm. The Penn State fan base is like a lot of fan bases, very resistant to change. Fair. Anything new is like, forget about it. But once you're in the circle of trust <laughs> and once you've earned their respect, like Joe Paterno to a much, much greater degree falls into this category, right? Where he could yeah. do no wrong. Trace McSorley is kind of there because initially ran this new high powered offense, this Joe Moorhead thing, James Franklin thing. No one really knew what to expect. But once he got moving and once people realized that, hey, yeah, he's got a little bit of an edge, but he plays hard and he's got swagger. I think he curried favor quite quickly. And clearly the success in the field is there. So yeah. I, I find it hard to believe that any kind of well, not that we're dealing with rational fans here, but <laughs> I was gonna say Re remember remember what we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah, that any fan in general would say that. All right. So here's the moment. Trying to go six for six. Holy cow. The okay. final comment. <sighs> Why uh, I should this is also after um, Ohio State. Why did okay. they keep going to the Lion package? If Tommy transfers last offseason, does Penn State win this game? Lion package. Oh God. Um, oh, that's so specific, though. Um. <laughs> Man, people don't know what a lion package is. Uh, I don't, I don't guess, know if that's true. Because uh, they put it, they put it on the depth know chart. What a lion package is. They These put it on the right, depth chart. Okay, it's it's well known. Uh, I'm going to say fake. That is a 
Real comments. So close. Five of six. So close. Damn it. Um, And of course, off season is two words instead of one in this comment. Right. (laughs) Of course. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, I, (laughs) this is, this feels like, uh, this definitely feels like one that I would have made up because the thought had not even dawned on me that somebody could have attributed this loss to Tommy Stevens not transferring. That's a real, that's a real interesting line of logic there. It's, I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta do some mental gymnastics to get there, Nick. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Um, damn it. Five out of six. Okay. Well, I, I applaud you, six. sir. Five out thank of six you. is nothing to scoff. Thank at. you. I want to thank God and the troops and <laughs> Cam Newton's mother's womb, all the usuals. Um, <laughs> It was it was a real pleasure as always. <laughs> and with that, I think that'll do it for this episode of Roar Lions Radio. Uh, thank you again, Ty Hildenbrandt of the Solid Verbal. Uh, make sure you follow him on Twitter at Ty Hildenbrandt. I believe there's no numbers attached to that. No there? numbers, nope. Yeah, and then make sure you follow the Solid Verbal as well and listen to the Solid Verbal. I mean, if you don't listen to the Solid Verbal at this point, what are you doing? Uh, follow them on Twitter at Solid Verbal. Check out their subreddit. Check out their Instagram page. All that. Um, go play their um. What's it called? Go play their pick'em pool as well. Yes. Um, yeah. Anything else we should be pimping for Solid Verbal? I think we got all of it. No, I think we got everything. You could find all of our shows at SolidVerbal.com. If you're out at the tailgate um, this weekend, feel free to tell folks to check us out. Of course, in addition to Roar Lions Radio, but um, we're a free show. If you go to our website, you can find out all the details on how to subscribe. We have a free pick and pool, which if you go, if you go to our website, you can um, get all the particulars on how to sign up for that. We have, you know, hundreds of people who play every week. It's a lot of fun. And um, we also have a newsletter, which you can find if you go to the website. Again, solidverbal.com. We are in the process now of, I think, putting out some really cool new T-shirts that we haven't Ooh. shown publicly yet. But the people who are on the newsletter are going to get first dibs on those. And um Starting to venture into some team slash town specific wear that I think will be, I think will be cool for people who are you know out and about in the college football world. Um, so check it out, solidrebel.com. We'll give you all the info for uh, how to find us and um, all the uh, apparel. As somebody who currently subscribes to the newsletter of intent, that is very interesting news to me. Looking yeah, forward to coming. seeing that. It's coming. Awesome. Yes, and if you have if you haven't been to their website recently, it looks awesome now. Um, it does. It does. Heads or uh, shout out, excuse me, to our friends over at Superboss who've done a, a remarkable job um, and just put together a, what I think is like an award winning caliber oh, yeah. uh, site for our podcast. It's way better than our actual podcast site. <laughs> um, so we're we're pretty pumped that we were able to get it. Yeah, it, it is very beautiful. Make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out the Solid Verbal um, preview and recap shows every week. They do an excellent job, Ty and Dan, and as well as their assorted guests. Um, as always, make sure you're following Roar Lines Roar on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. The Snapchat hasn't been used, a while, used in a while, but it's still there if you want to follow it. Um, make sure you check the site. Uh, you can read all that content we were talking about with Trace McSoy's passing chart and the rushing chart and the receiving chart and a whole bunch of other, other great to- content each and every week. Um, 
We would love to have your support there. Please make sure you leave a uh, comment. If you can, leave a review on this podcast to help get us in more ears, um, unless you think we're bad, in which case, you know, leave us a comment and a, and a uh, great anyway, because I don't really care if you like it or not. I just want more people to listen to it. Um, it for myself, Nick Pollock, for my guest, Ty Hildenbrandt, thank you again. Um, have an excellent You're night. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, have an excellent night and go state.